Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my guest is Joseph A. Federico, and we'll be talking about the entrepreneurial mindset, passion projects, and avoiding burnout. Joseph A. Federico is first and foremost a man of the written word, holding a BA in literature from the Ramapo College of New Jersey. He is a self-taught publisher and CEO of Anchors to Dusk Publishing, LLC, as well as its sister company, Anchors to Dusk Media. For more information, you can visit Joseph's website, which are josephafederico.com and also anchorstodeskpublishing.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome Joseph to the show. Good day, Joseph. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm doing well. It is so good to speak with you again. I, I know that every time I talk with you, I just get a, a burst of energy, which is, which is, oh, which is wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. It's, it's, um, you know, it's not, that your energy is contagious. So that's, you know, hopefully we will be able to pass that on to the listeners. So, um, gosh, we haven't talked in such a long time, but... Let's um, talk a little bit. Uh, well, when we first connected, we were, you know, determining the topic to talk about, and, and you know, we came up with with the working on passion projects and avoiding burnout. And, and the idea of avoiding burnout um, just really stuck out to me as um, you know, as something that many listeners would probably relate to with, you know, our you know, two-year bout with the pandemic. So, um, first of all, what what do do, do you do you personally um, sometimes experience burnout, and, and how would you explain what it is? Sure. So that's a great question, and the answer is not really cut and dry, Robert. Um, the to answer your first part of the question, yes, I do experience burnout almost weekly and by working nine to five, running a business, running a publishing company, working with clients and working on my passion project, it's hard, you know, to avoid burnout, but it is possible. And the way that I do it is I keep my list, you know, pretty much in check. I really try to the Sunday before the week, the following week starts essentially I get all of my ducks in a row or try to, and I try to really put, you know, five to ten snackable tasks, meaning they're easy, like doing the dishes, doing your laundry, things that are everyday needs to get through, and I try to get through those first. And then I try to keep one or two major projects or major phone calls or major meetings really towards the end of the week, and here's why. I feel that 
for me personally, I have more energy during, you know, the end of the week. Thursday and Friday um, are my less busy days, and I can really wake up earlier, let's say an hour earlier um, on Thursday or Friday mornings to tackle those larger tasks, have a planning meeting for the following week or the following month. So it's really about, you know, self-diagnosing, in air quotes, if you will, your schedule, and getting through those snackable tasks that allow your brain to see that you're getting through said task, if that also makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I, I understand the, you know, the value of completing those tasks, you know, your, your early week tasks, um, because that, that kind of sets you up for a, you know, a predisposition to having accomplished something. You know, I, I got, I got this on, yeah, it's something that, you know, needed to be done, but I got it done. So, I mean, I can see where that would be. But now, how, you know, a, a lot of, I think a lot of people are um, stressed with the idea of, of balancing, um, you know, we're balancing the many roles that they have, you know, the, 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 the work role, the personal role. Um, how, how important do you feel that um, having that balance is toward avoiding burnout? You know what? My quote claim to fame, Robert, really with my business and clients, especially the social media marketing aspect of my life, is that I'm available, quote, 24-7, and I am technically, but I also try to have balance within my days, especially if I'm not going anywhere because we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. And I work in the morning. I work, you know, pretty much through 4 or 5 p.m. Eastern time, and that's around my cutoff. There are some exceptions, of course, if a client really needs me to create content, hop on a planning very quick, you know, call with them, so forth and so on. But from about five till about nine, about this time, I take time to myself, and that's pretty much a hard stop. To read a book, mm-hmm. to cross things off my to-do list for that day so my brain releases those chemicals of, you know, satisfaction that I did complete my tasks. For that day, I have dinner or make dinner or go out for dinner, and then I start my night again around 9, 9.30 until about 11 or 12. But there's three and a half, four hours of buffer that I really do try to build into my days. Yeah. Now, do you feel that, I mean, you know, for me personally, that like you're, you're – time after your 9 to 11 time, you know, the, the bumping back into work after that relaxation time. For me, that, that doesn't work. I know and, and because for, for me, I, it, I need to um, go into the night with that relaxed, you know, because, I, you know, otherwise, I mean, some of the, what I do last seems to be um, a setup for me. You know, you know, a, a setup for the the night, the nighttime rest. You know, and so. Sure. But I think what's important is 
well, you know, when you're describing your schedule and, and my, me, mine, is that the schedules are unique to each person. So it, it's kind of like you have to adapt, correct? That is correct. And that really started, you know, longer than the pandemic has been going on. I found that I am, of course, a night owl. I really always have been post, you know, college, postgraduate, you know, times where my partner of over 16 years, you know, has a more nine to five schedule. And then he goes to bed and we share an apartment, of course. After the nine o'clock hour is my time to kind of feel revived. And it pushes mm-hmm. me to get more things done or even ahead of the you know, curb for the following day. And it just works for me. On the weekends, it's more of a crapshoot, of course. Um, I try to have a little bit more work-life balance over the weekend days. But the nighttime is really a time for, I feel, for me to shine to really get ahead of other projects or things that may have been pending from earlier on in the day. Right. You know, and I, I agree. I mean, that, you know, that quiet time, the very quiet time is is precious, you know, and I'm sure, you know, people out there who are, or are parents or even people who just um, have people in their life all the time, that anytime you can get a couple hours of, you know, alone time, you know, kind of like with you in, in your own world is, is a benefit, I'm sure. Now, um, you're an entrepreneur, so can you talk a little bit about um, the unique mindset of an entrepreneur, you know, particularly when it comes time to, um, uh, you know, the idea of promoting one's business, but also avoiding burnout. Because you, you mentioned you, you're on 24-7. I mean, basically, you know, you're available 24-7. You know, and, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel that way. So um, would, would the answer to kind of avoiding burnout be like what you do with your, you know, your five to nine period or that kind of thing? Yeah, you know what, Robert? That's a great point, and I would definitely agree and say yes. Being an entrepreneur is not easy. It's a decision that a lot more people in the job market today um, that I've been reading daily, if not weekly, is that people are trying to make it on their own. They're, you know, cutting away no longer are the days of the nine to five. That's, that's more rare for my generation and the younger generation. You're your own boss and you made that choice. You made that decision to go it alone. What you need to do first is really stay organized, and, it's, and, it's, and it sounds easier than it is, but you need to get a calendar. You need to sync your phone up with your smart device and so forth and so on, and really be an advocate for your own time because if you're not at your best, you can't perform best for your clients or to sell your services going forward. And it's, it really is a fine line, and I, again, I say I'm available 24-7. And I really do believe that. I really do try to. I really do market myself as the marketing mavens available to you 24-7 on vacations, during a holiday. For me, it's more unique because, again, we are home during the pandemic, working from home, not really being as, um, 
you know, packed with our schedules as we would normally be. And I think that's unique mm-hmm. to the pandemic and we'll be changing that going forward, maybe in a year or so, or even two to three years, but it's a fine line. You really have to balance that fine line and have the mindset of that you want to succeed and everybody's road to success is different. That's my final answer, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and also what success is to each person is different along with the road, you know, to that, that destination of success is different. And that, and I would venture to say that, you know, that our definition changes as we change. So I, I for example, you know, if a business grows or a business changes direction or, you know, what, you know, those, those kinds of things that can come into play that, um, then have you redefine success. So for as an entrepreneur, how often do you, um, you know, set goals? I mean, I know you said like during the week, you know, in the beginning of the week, you kind of plan ahead of kind of what's going on, but where are you in the, um, the debate of setting goals or not setting goals, you know, five-year plan, 10-year plan, you know, this, What's your feeling about that kind of planning? Sure. So, again, great question. I set goals two different ways. Of course, the weekly ones I talked about, and I, with, with mm-hmm. my clients especially, me achieve success, you know, on their end, I help them achieve their successes with their businesses or their social media content strategies or growing their engagement, their you know, followership so forth and so on, if that makes sense. So I gauge success, you know, and my, my, my goals, my goal setting, every six months for myself, I try to assess how many clients I have, in, you know, in queue, who's halfway through their contract, you know, for their yearly contract, mm-hmm. who needs a little bit more attention, so forth and so on. And then I reassess those goals at the end of the year, you know, the calendar year after, you know, Christmas time around New Year's to see how I can perform better the following year. But I break it up essentially into six months check-ins with myself and yeah. my business. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, a good time. I mean, a good time because, you know, I personally, I think sometimes, we can overdo our planning, you know, and I mean, I used to, I had a friend who, I mean, when I, she, I would call her up to say, maybe go to dinner, go to a movie. It's like, well, wait a minute. And I got, and this is the day of the, you know, the daytime, you know, the planner. She was just, oh, I got to take my daytime first, you know? I mean, and it was like one of the biggest, thickest books, you know, with the dates and time. I mean, it was, I looked at it, I got tired just looking at it, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, oh, my sure. gosh. So, you know, and um, sometimes I think we lose um, some opportunities maybe or, or we lose um, some potential that if, if we over plan. Yeah, you know, and I've always been a planner and, you know, growing up, of course, I was one of the only people in my family that had, you know, really been a planner and I hated 
as a child hearing maybe and this and that, which I think led to me potentially being overzealous as an adult with my plans. But after Mm -hmm. a certain age, maybe 30, 35, you're correct, Robert, that definitely you start to mellow out and you need to plan to not to plan, if that makes sense, get your calendar, build in those three, four hours a night. If you can, if you're not a parent or if you have, you know, um, a staff, for instance, redelegate those tasks. And I just thought of this as well as for speaking, Robert, that, you know, even though things aren't perfect, but things are better than they were last year. And we're all lucky to be talking about this and, just getting through one day at a time, mm-hmm. you know, build in some vacation time for yourself too, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, I just went with my partner, you know, as we had spoken prior to booking, you know, tonight's show is I went to Myrtle beach for a week. You know, that is a vacation for us, but it's also like, Oh, choose places that are kind of staycation esque where you can maybe spend some money, but really spend some time refinding yourself refining your soul where your soul is happiest, where you can be most creative. And during that time, your downtime, build in a little time for your calendar to get ahead for when you get back as well. That's very important. That's very important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, last week, <laughs> I just coming back from a week's vacation in Las Vegas. I used to live there and it was going back to see friends. Hadn't traveled, you know, in, in a couple of years. So, um, and it, I mean, normally when I travel, I always take my computer with me, you know, because it's, I'm, you know, I'm pretty much like you that, you know, 20, the idea of 24 seven, um, you know, you know, being available when it comes time to scheduling sales and that kind of thing. But anyway, this was the, the first time that I went that I did not take my computer and, and it was, it was very odd. <laughs> it was just a very odd feeling, you know, to, to do that and, and, kind of force myself to have a vacation, you know? I mean, so, uh, you know, I, I agree with you that it's really important to have that. And, um, you know, and it's, it's rejuvenating. So I think that's one way certainly of avoiding burnout is to make sure that you schedule that, um, that rejuvenating time, whatever it be. Absolutely. Um, you know, while I was in North Myrtle Beach for a week, you know, it was October. We have never really been down in the fall. It was great. I still got my, my freelance work done. I, you know, I actually freelance for a, a local, you know, um, a solar company. So I did my articles to feel like I did accomplish something that was not vacation on vacation. And then uh-huh. I'm actually going to New Orleans. Uh, yeah, right. I know it sounds funny, but. Um, you know, I, I am traveling to New Orleans um, for a week in December with my best friend. And, you know, um, I made the decision actually this morning before the show um, to not bring my lap from working. Um, and normally I would also book, you know, a book tour for myself and a book signing and all these other things right. that I normally would do on a normal, quote, vacation. And I made uh-huh. the decision to, to not do that this time and to really enjoy time getting back with myself and my, my friends and my, you know, what makes me happy and what makes me tick. Because when I come back, I'll be more prone 
to be more productive and to want to get back to work even quicker. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it's important. And, you know, I think it's, it's great that you went ahead and, and, you know, made that decision. And then for, you know, for people, for some people, it can be, you know, really difficult um, to have that downtime, but, but that downtime is, is, is critical. Uh, and New Orleans now, um, isn't your uh, book, uh, your passion project book, uh, Voodoo Juice? I mean, is there a – I just think it's interesting that you, that you have that book. And like you mentioned, you might have done a book, book signing, that kind of thing. But uh, t- tell us about that. I just – I just, you know, an author of a book called Voodoo Juice from a social media maven, <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> you, you've got you've got you've got some very distinctive facets, you know, different facets. Yeah. So um, you know, and I'm actually really quite us. proud of those. Um, so mm-hmm. you know what? Yes. Um, you know, how much time do you have? Because I can really start from the beginning. But um, <laughs> I would I like know to know. I, I really would like. Different. <laughs> um, it's unique, and I'm okay with that in the sense of, you know, the. Voodoo Juice really expressed um, or hit my, you know, fascination with America South, with, I wouldn't say dark arts, but the, you know, the, the creativity, the history of America South that actually had originated when I was on the shores of North Myrtle Beach in 2012. So that's really how the book started to take shape, where I had a cocktail oh. with my partner at the Crow's Nest at Ocean Creek Resort and Plantation of the same name, Voodoo Juice, and it was a bucket of a really delicious rum, of course, and I'm, you know, determined, and I had my marble notebook and a pen, and that's all I needed to start to create these characters. And it was originally based off of, we had gone to, Robert, you probably remember this, back in the day at Barefoot Landing across from Ocean Creek Plantation, there was a Ghost and Legends tour way back in the day. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, so that that was run um, by uh, Pirate Terry, who was a storyteller, and she had worked, I think, for the Muppets and for Disneyland, and her husband had all these pyrotechnic, you know, background and credentials. And um, actually 2012, I believe, was the last year that this, you know, this location had been open. And I was actually quite devastated that I needed to uh, create a backstory of the people that worked there. And with my, you know, mixed with my fascination with America's South, with voodoo, with um, all that creativity. And then I had originally set the intention of having Voodoo Juice be my summer project. And it only come out from the end of May to the end of August, early September. I would write on the beaches of the Jersey Shore, North Myrtle Beach, at the pool, so forth and so on. So I finally went to New Orleans for the first time in 2014, Robert, and I went to a club called Oz off of Bourbon Street. And I had this vision. I had this burst of creativity, and it was there was like an indoor courtyard within the club itself, wrought iron, Mm. you know, fences and just balconies and people dancing and having a great time. That's when the book really took on a life of its own. I had a vision um, of these characters that were interacting in the 18th century, which is also another passion of mine. 
that's where the book really took off, and I knew I had to write this book. So um, it is currently for sale. If anybody wants to contact me, we can, you know, of course, call in or, you know, go, you know, a little plug on that. I'm offering it for the holidays. Um, but it was a passion project that, that turned into this obsession, and these characters spoke to me. And it was a creative outlet for me as well, Robert, honestly. Um, and that's, that's how I – that's how – the book was truly born, if that makes sense, if that all makes sense. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's um, – I, I just think that, you know, and the reason I wanted to bring it up and talk about it, you know, first of all, it, it being the passion project, and, you know, and I think um, sometimes people are a little um, reticent, um, a little hesitant to um, play out you know, those, the, those ideas that fast. And like, you know, they may have had that, a similar moment of inspiration like you had um, in that courtyard, you know, where, where all of a sudden, and, and I know with my first book, which was published actually in 2012, doing a 10-year update on that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, sure. it was those things that just, um, it started off, you know, as an idea, you know, just kind of one of those things that just kind of floats through your head. But then there is a point where it takes on a life of its own. And, um, and I, I know when I, um, my process was I was, I would like walk every morning and then the plot would unfold. I didn't have an outline and, and the development of characters wasn't, you know, wasn't the right way, the quote right way of, of developing characters. But, it was just my, it was my way, you know, it was the way that it happened for me. And, you know, sure, and it sure. got to the point where each, each day I was getting excited to kind of discover what would happen next, you know. So I would think for you, what, um, did the story, um, how did the, the story unfold? I mean, did you, uh, how, you know, how did you kind of, I mean, you mentioned the characters, you know, that they kind of came to can you tell us a little bit about how um, how it took shape, you know, how the, uh, the the characters and the story took shape? Sure. So, you know, to be perfectly honest, I am, you know, very heavily inspired by Anne Rice, um, her son, uh-huh. okay. uh, Chris Rice, um, was mm-hmm. also. You know, I was I was somewhat of amused. Um, um, for him and, and, and also vice versa, where he gave me inspiration um, over actually a chat on Twitter on how to write characters, how mm-hmm. to write the opening scene. Um, and those were very special moments for me that really pushed me over the edge to decide to really finish the book and make this, you know, dream a reality going forward. Um, and also I had watched a lot of American Horror Story Coven that was set in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Vampire Diaries pop culture really shaped how the story came to be. And I had always been obsessed with Mardi Gras and Bourbon Street and how to romanticize old school New Orleans back when the French Quarter was really the French Quarter. Um, You know, so that mixed with actually going to New Orleans, doing the research, speaking with um, those who had worked um, on the riverboats and the ghost tours doing the research, putting in the time on how to stitch this piece together of what had originally, you know, had originated again on the shores of North Myrtle beach 
in 2012. Yeah. It was ironic when your book, you know, was published and was worked on. Nothing happened by accident. Yeah. But you need to make the dream a reality, even as an entrepreneur. And you're, you made a great point earlier, Robert, a few minutes ago. Not everybody will have a gumption um, or they will be afraid to go forward with their passion project. You need to take a first step. You need to start somewhere, even if you don't have an outline. Yeah. You, you know, you, you need to make notes. You need to make – there's no right or wrong answer on how to publish a book or self-publish a book or get a you know, book, any book published or written because I've done all of the above you know, with all different jobs and even for myself. So that's, that's really right. how it took place is, is a lot of research, a lot of time and a lot, a lot of love and a lot of uh, grief actually came out of finishing the book. When I typed the first pa- the last page on the computer, I, I wept. I was, I was devastated that, th- that that was over. That was my project. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, but yeah, it is important to you know to take those steps and and um, you know I you know I think the um, the most important aspect and we were talking about it you know you were talking about the, the essence of of the book is to write about something that you love you know because not only is it going to not only is it something that you're you know interest it's going to hold your interest it's going to take you through those days you really don't want to write, but you, you know, you really need to write, um, you know, plus post publication, you're going to be talking about it. <laughs> you're going to be talking about it for years to come. So exactly. You know, yeah, but I published that in, sure. exactly. Yeah. In uh, 2017. And here we are almost 2022 and we're still talking about my first book and, you know, it's just, it just lights me up every time I, I'm asked about it on interviews or on podcasts or even on my own platforms for social media, you know, selling it for the holidays. And just really quickly, I actually went to New Orleans in 2018 where I had another experience. Um, I had a book signing. I'm not doing that this time around, but I had a book signing for Voodoo Juice, um, actually at the old French mm-hmm. opera house. And I got oh. inspiration while I was down in 2018 for, um, the next in the series where I was, um, I made the decision to make it into a trilogy, which also really um, made my, my soul happy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Trilogies are very popular. I mean, I have yeah. had many, many another on through book one, two, and three. You know, it's like. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, we're about halfway through the show, so I do want to invite listeners, if you want to call in and ask Joseph any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And if you're listening live in the chat room, and if you'd like to pose any questions, feel free to post it there. And then when we come back from break, Joseph, I want to talk a a bit about social media. You know, that's that's one of your very strong areas for for your business. anchors to desk publishing. So I want to talk about that and how we can maximize that. Okay. That sounds fabulous. Thank you, Robert. Hey, sir. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. 
Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Joseph A. Federico, and we've been talking about the entrepreneurial mind, working on passion projects, and avoiding burnout. Um, again, you can find out more about Joseph by visiting a couple of his sites. One is josephafederico.com, and the other is anchorstodeskpublishing.com. Okay, with that, we're back. Joseph? Yes. I'm glad to be back, Robert. How are you? Good. I'm good. So now you and I are connected on Facebook, um, Twitter, I think Twitter, um, LinkedIn, and um, let's see, Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah, and Twitter. So, uh, oh, and Instagram, too. So tell us, you know, I, I, I sometimes wonder if I am behind the times when it comes to, you know, because it's like, well, <laughs> Facebook is this particular group now, you know, and younger going to IG, Instagram, you know, and then there's uh, Instagram stories. I mean, there's so much um, possibility. Um, how, tell, tell us the, your perspective of the different platforms and maybe um, is there like, one better than the other for particular uses? You know, just what what is your um, your view of the platforms, and then maybe how to make effective use of them? Sure, sure. So that's a great question. Again, um, you know, I had turned a passion uh, career into a career in social media, Robert. So that's interesting. You had asked that. So first and foremost, in today's market, on social media, you really need to be as authentic as possible. People will see through the fakeness, um, even through the filters. You have to, you know, tell a story and be organic and transparent with what and who you are. So that's the first rule of all the social media platforms. Um, there are different ones. You know, the main platforms I try to project and work on with my clients is a trifecta, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We also work on coaching for Instagram. And there's not one that's better or worse than the other, Robert, honestly. But if an entrepreneur is starting out, first and foremost, you do need 
a presence on one of those platforms to share content, organic content that's both for your business or products and services in which you are selling, as well as third-party content. Third-party content, you know, can really come and derive from um, your passions. Um, if you're into painting or uh, traveling, for instance, or art, look to the New York Times, the Harvard Business Review, really credible sources, and share articles, you know, namely from Facebook and Twitter one to two times a week with your opinion on the article, always tagging the journalist and the source if they're on said platforms, if that makes sense. So then, okay. you know, if you're trying to think of a platform again, I'm going to rewind for a moment, starting off to get your name out there, choose one that you think is really easy, whether that be Instagram, that's fine. It's getting a little more easy to navigate than a TikTok, for instance, right now, or a Snapchat, um, you know, but that may not be the right platform for you. Where can you reach the, you know, the highest engagement, the most people within your audience that you feel are within your audience group? Is that Facebook? Is it a Facebook group or a Facebook page? Is it Twitter? Is it sharing those, that, you know, content about your business, you know, one to two times a week or the third party content two to three times or even more per week? Or is it LinkedIn where that's more of a business profile? You can share long form articles on that platform and then share those articles, for instance, to Medium or your website and have those all connect. I'm throwing, you know, a lot at you. Stop and have you ask any questions because there's a lot to navigate within the realm of social media, Robert. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, and I appreciate that. You know, I could understand um, the the focus. You know, having have a, a clear picture of who your Customers, you know, are so. I mean, because you know, and and maybe using an appropriate platform now, like you know, for businesses that have um, where photos are, um, like like for a restaurant or you know, or a destination resort, you know, where photos kind of tell it all for your for your business. I'm, I'm sure that Instagram would be probably better suited in, in getting the message exactly yeah. exactly yeah and and you know and i just you know when when you, you mentioned about you know two or three times a week or you know what one of those things that i struggle with is trying to um determine what is the the right amount you know of Times about not to overdo it, but also not to be so um, almost invisible where I only do it on occasion. So, you know, striking that balance, I think, where where you get enough information out there, but you don't bore people. <laughs> you know, I mean, correct. Does that make sense? Correct. That makes absolute sense. So, you know, here's kind of a, a rule of thumb there's never too much okay. content that can be produced on your end. As long as you follow the golden rule that we just discussed, being transparent, really showing who mm -hmm. you are, being honest and upfront with what you can provide and how you can help people, either through a product or your service. Facebook, you know, the golden rule, mm, 
maybe two to three times per week if you're just starting off to not overwhelm yourself or your sensory like overload with content. Same with Twitter. Yeah. Instagram can be ten times per day. And oh my God. that's because <laughs> okay. content I know. It could be it could be overwhelming. But the point is to have fun with it to also show what you can provide as, you know, selling your service or your products. So a brand okay. like Coca-Cola, for instance, may post up to 20 times per day with a new campaign they're coming out, a new flavor of drink, soft drink, for instance. Or if right. you're a, you know, a restaurant, maybe a new dish, maybe one to two times per week is better for your audience. And the great thing about all these platforms, Robert, is you don't have to pay to track your metrics. Each comes with a free metrics tracker within their system that you can see which content is being, you know, sent out at the right time and who's engaging with it, male or female, um, which countries, which cities, you know, what did your, did your, for instance, a, a new diner that's opening up, for instance, or a restaurant, did the picture of the hamburger and the fries, you know, for a keto diet, for instance, do better at one o'clock in the afternoon or one o'clock in the morning. This is what you mm-hmm. can do as a content creator, because we're all content creators now, to perfect your strategy and your campaign is by looking at the metrics yeah. and trying to decipher what's better for your brand going forward. Yeah. You know, and, you know, regarding that, I, you know, there are times, I mean, I'll, I'll look at metrics and I would say like 75% of the time I'm shocked at some of the involvement in some of the posts. You know I mean? It's like, I would never, never have thought that people would have talked about that. You know I mean? So, um, you know, and I, you know, when it comes to like judging, um, contest on TV, like the voice, you know, my partner loves the voice, but, Every single time I'll pick the wrong one that, you know, that no one else picks. <laughs> but I mean, so it's, it's, for me, it's, um, it can be a challenge to um, identify, you know, exactly what gets engagement. So I, 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 you know, what I usually end up doing is just kind of, recognizing what it was that was, you know, highly engaged, you know, and just kind of maybe save that for future reference, you know, that, you know, in the future, if I should be able, like pictures, mostly, you know, I, I do a lot of the nature photos. So, you know, I, some of the pictures I put up, I mean, that I think are just, you know, wonderful, you know, that, that, that don't get the, um, the attention that I think other ones would. So, I mean, to me, it, it's a, um, it can be a challenge to, if I want to encourage, increase engagement, to being able to creating those or, or putting forth those um, instances, you know, that will be engaging. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so anyway, I, I just think sometimes it's, it's, for me, it's hard to identify um, what is what what got people motivated to engage? You know, because there's that there's that one point where people can acknowledge what you did, and then there's the next point of where they will comment 
what you you know on what you did, and then there's the other ones that you kind of chat back and forth. You know, you kind of establish that relationship. You know, we have multiple sure. comments back sure. and forth. So, so um, you know, so you know, it's to me, it's always um, I'm always interested in trying to identify what motivates people to take that you know step to go from just acknowledging to commenting to engaging. You know what? And I don't think we'll ever know. And that's coming from a you know trained <laughs> professional in the business is, you know, okay. we really can only track metrics and track what's trending, Robert. And okay. what you said is correct. If you go back to a post that you knew, you know, that you um, know that did well unexpectedly try to mm-hmm. repurpose that content or stick with the same subject in, in the, in the near future. That's the first thing you can do. Okay. The second thing is on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, you can hop on to other people's trends and do your research with other people or business owners or influencers and see what they're doing and kind of hop on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's like an easy out, which, which works more often than not. The other thing you can do hmm. and two more really quick tips you can, of course, Google, and then you hit, you know, you type in a, a, a word or a subject or a, or a tagline. You hit Google and you hit news. Those are all the trending topics that are currently, and not only within the news, but also on social media trending across all of the social media platforms. Those are a surefire way to boost your engagement almost instantly. The last quick tip for social media, Robert, and those who are listening is as long as you provide value and provide your own unique perspective on a post or piece of content, it's a win. You don't need to convert Mm -hmm. every single person viewing your content from a like to a comment to a direct message. People are watching regardless, and they will reach out to you when they're ready to reach out to you, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And, it, and you know, I long, learned long ago when it came to, like, numbers from the radio show, uh, you know, that it really doesn't matter how many listen. It's just, you know, who listens and what they get from the, the show. That really matters most. So, you know, I've, I've really, early on in the 12 years, I kind of made that shift to 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 be um, aware of, but, but certainly not, um, you know, devoted to numbers, you know, and. Um, exactly. And, and, you know, exactly. And, you know, sometimes yeah. it, it, it won't always be on social media or on the internet. I will tell you this, like uh, one of the most cherished travel experiences I've had is when I was flying home from New Orleans to New Jersey, to Newark airport in 2018, it was a Tuesday night. And it was one of those jumbo jets, and there were three people to an aisle. And we all became friends almost immediately after takeoff. And we were sharing why we had gone to New Orleans. One person came, you know, for work in the conferences. One person went to go meet his wife and brought her home some food. And I was there for the book signing and for the Halloween experiences that we had booked for that week, you know, before. And I came off the plane with, with some fans. And you know, and new new followers on social media by meeting these people in real life. And 
That's really what social media and life is about is making connections. And again, as long as you're transparent with what you do and how you can, you know, provide value and create this mystique and intrigue around what you do, you have to be your own salesman as an entrepreneur, as a person on social media, as a small business owner, as an author, as a self-published author, for instance. You need to make connections outside of the computer and phone as well. And that's what happens. Yeah. And that's really the beauty of a real-life fan or connection turning into a follower on social media that you can connect with down the line as well. Yeah. yeah that, you know, I, I really have um, recognized that. Now, it's, um, you know, one of my, you know, my my balance my zen times is in, in morning nature walk and you know there was uh, someone local in the neighborhood who um i just happened to come across we were both filming we happened to have a, an alligators in our neighborhood and there was an alligator crossing the street so i was taking a picture and she was kind of taking one also and, and then from that you know um we you know connected on social media and and right now it's one of the most you know, interactive. I mean, now not only do we meet online, but also, you know, when it comes time to meeting up in, in our daily walks, you know, that, I mean, it becomes so much, it's, it's so much better. So, you know, I, I can see where, you know, certainly making that in real life kind of connection, you know, and melding it or adding it to a social media connection just would amp it up. Sure. And especially during COVID and the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything we've been through as humanity, you know, both in this country and outside of this country, it's important to make connections, human connections, which can also translate to connecting with people on social media. And that's really why it's so important, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. So uh, I want to kind of, we're kind of writing down toward the end of the show. So I want to kind of go back, um, you know, to what we kind of started with when we were talking about burnout, you know, and avoiding things we can do to avoid burnout. So if someone is currently experiencing it, not, we haven't, they haven't been successful in avoiding it. <laughs> you know, so someone is currently feeling burnout. Let's say one of your clients you know, it comes to you and says, you know, I, you know, I am, I really want to, you know, jazz up, you know, the business kind of want to put extra oomph, you know, in, in what's going on, but I'm burned out. Um, what, what would your advice to them be? I would say to take one more day out of their schedule or their week and get ahead on content, mm -hmm. put content in the can either on video through, you know, free resources or even paid like Canva where you can create, you know, graphics and video and GIFs and everything in between, you know, more the creative content. Spend one more day. Push yourself just a little bit harder to get content in the can and schedule it out. Go on HootSuite. Hmm. Go on TweetDeck for Twitter. Go on Facebook Business Suite. Go on LinkedIn. Schedule your content out so you look like you're a rock star 24-7 sharing the content to put a little more pizzazz into your content and your campaigns and calendar. But in reality, mm -hmm. you can then take the next few days to relax, 
to reflect, mm. to build up the ideas for your content calendar going forward so you really can avoid the burnout going forward as well. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. I haven't, I haven't used the scheduling content for a long time. I used to use Hootsuite, but I just didn't like it. Things kind of, it just didn't work for me. So, but, um, but I did just started using Canva. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm going to go ahead and kind of explore that a little bit more. Um, so what's, what's next? What, what do you have up, up and coming? That second book? Well, <laughs> I have uh, a few books that I'm working on. I was going to release, as we talked about after the inspiring trip I had in New Orleans at the old French Opera House, which is actually the Four Points by Sheridan French Quarter off of Bourbon Street. Um, I was working on the second in the series called Origins um, that I was working on last year, but COVID kind of, I hit a wall. So I'm working on going to seeing, you know, uh, launching that in early 2022, God willing. And I'm actually working on uh, the third in the series called Final Sip um, that I will hopefully have some inspiration with my trip during Krampus Knox and the festivities I'll be doing in New Orleans uh, in just a few short weeks. So that's it for the, uh, the book. And again, I'm currently taking on higher-end clientele that are really seeking, how, you know, uh, training and coaching, namely for Instagram, Robert, where we book a session, you know, the annual contract, but people I train how to produce content, how to record properly, what the proper lighting is, how to use hashtags properly, and really, you know, go through the fundamentals of how to properly engage and work Instagram for your business or for your products and services. And then I'm actually also selling a subscription box as if I didn't have enough on my plate um, for the holidays. <laughs> and, there's, <laughs> and there's an array of products and services that we sell as well through the Anchors um, umbrella and name of the company. Wow, that's great. Well, I, I'm sure that I will see the up and coming on all of those platforms. And uh, and I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. And um, it's been really helpful. Thanks, Joseph. The pleasure was all mine, Robert. Thank you so, so much again. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today, my special guest has been Joseph A. Federico. And we have been talking about the entrepreneurial mindset working on passion projects, and avoiding burnout. And again, you can find out more by visiting Joseph's website, which is josephafederico.com. And you can also visit anchorstodeskpublishing.com. And if you're on social media, if you're out, particularly, I, I noticed tonight um, on Facebook, Joseph does have a wonderful video telling you of the special, that, the holiday special that he has um, for Voodoo Juice. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit byteradio.me 
and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bite Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. <laughs>